Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're going to be chatting with Bill Drage, and he is the immediate past chair of Canal New York. And our topic today is the New York State Canal System and how COVID-19 has impacted the opening of the system, as well as what we can expect when it does open and even down the road into the future. So before we start the topic, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And of course, an integral part of the Great Loop is the New York State Canals. Couldn't do the Great Loop without them. So we want to talk today with Bill Drage, who is the immediate past chair of Canal New York. Bill, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kim. We appreciate you joining us. Let's start. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your own history with the Erie Canal in particular and why you're so passionate about it. Um, Kim, I come, I come to the Erie Canal first and foremost as a recreational boater. I was exposed to the Erie Canal about 15 years ago um, when a neighbor of mine invited me, myself and my wife, to spend the weekends with them. And and I was I was from Long Island. I'm not originally from upstate New York, and I had real no real exposure to the Erie Canal. And he said to me, "Pack for four days." And I had always been a recreational boater on Long Island, but that was pretty much a, a day trip at that. So we were excited. We, we crossed Seneca Lake on a Friday night at dusk, headed towards the Cayuga Seneca. We spent our first night at the lock. Um, Lock 4 on the Cayuga Center, and the next morning we went through the lock and we arrived in, in Seneca Falls, and that was my initial exposure. And, and without a doubt that that day, that first day, a, a light went off in my head and I was, I was hooked on, on the canal system from that point forth. Um, I now dock, we dock our boats um, on the Seneca River just off of Cayuga Lake, about a mile, um, a mile west of Lock One. So yes, Lock One. So if you're if you're doing the loop and you're taking a side trip to Seneca Falls, uh, you're going to pass by us. Um, and and I got involved with Canal New York about ten years ago, while sitting in Fairport one night on the western end of the canal, and I, I was introduced to a boater who was one of the founders of Canal New York and. And and I, I after talking to him and I I I've got an understanding um, about the about Canal New York and the types of members it has, and I, I did become a member at that point. As you said, I am the immediate past chair of the organization. And what Canal New York does is we're we're a business and marketing alliance. Uh, in a, in essence, a chamber of commerce for Canal businesses and communities throughout throughout the entire corridor and our membership spans from 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 Waterford all the way to Lockport. We have members up in Oswego, we have members in Geneva. So our members span the, the entire uh, entire sector of canal. We have marinas that belong. Um, we have the tour boat companies that belong. The New York State Canal Corp 
is a member. We have um, five of the seven tourism promotion agencies in New York State that whose regions include the Canal Corridor. So we're, we're well represented. Represented. One of the things that we do is we, we market the canal for our members at, at a number of events throughout the year. Um, but we also we also spend a lot of our time advocating for the canal. So when NIPA first took over the canal about three years ago, um, the first thing they did when they took over in January was they shortened the navigation season, both in the spring and the fall, under the pretense that they needed they needed some of that better weather to catch up on on maintenance that that had been neglected. So we we all bought into that and thought, well, that's that's a great way to start. But it didn't take long for for us, the Canal New York, to realize that none of these projects that they were using as an excuse for for shortening the season were shovel ready. So needless to say, those three weeks in May that we lost that first year. No, nothing nothing was getting done. Nothing had changed. And Canal New York had taken a position that we were not happy with what NIFA was doing. And and that, that prompted a meeting in Albany with NIFA where we were basically told this is the way it's going to be. You know, we, we were told that there had been uh, years of maintenance neglect, which we understood. Um, one of the things to understand about the New York State Canal System is that it is not an on-budget item. There is no taxpayer direct money that goes to support the canal system. Up until three years ago, it was it was under the control of the New York State Thruway Authority, which is another agency that doesn't receive taxpayer money. Their revenue comes from toll money on the New York State Thruway. They started to they were they were short shorting the canal on money. Each year, um, they weren't keeping up with their own maintenance on the thruway. They were getting sued by organizations like the American Trucking Association um, uh, for diverting toll money. So Governor Cuomo at that point uh, took the canal out of the thruway authority control, and he put it into NIPA. Now, NIPA is another semi-autonomous state agency that was generate was paying New York State somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million a year in revenue that they generated through their hydroelectric dams, power line transmission, and, and such. And the governor said, um, you, you guys keep your money and we're going to give you the canal. And um, NIPR is, the thing about NIPR is NIPR is an infrastructure company. And what I had said to them at the first meeting that we had was, I get it. You're an, you're an infrastructure company, but you've got to understand you're in the tourism business now. And New York State has, has bet a lot of its future on tourism. And, and we believe, and I believe personally, that the Erie Canal system is, is probably the great, it, it, first of all, it's the greatest recreational um, uh, item in New York State um, with, by far. Um, so, We've gone now through, the, I believe this is the third year that NIPR has been in control. When the whole COVID-19 issue surfaced here in New York State um, and the governor shut down all construction in the state other than essential projects, NIPR, for the first two days of this, left work continue. And then I think they looked at the political side of this and they shut everything down. And 
personally, and I, I speak when I tell you this, I speak personally. My personal opinion is I think that this would allow them to forward their agenda. Um, this would help them forward their agenda. Never let a crisis, a good crisis, go to waste, uh, sort of thing. Yeah, and, and let's stop there for just one second, Bill, and just put a little bit of framework around this, a little bit of background. And for those who don't know, NIPA is the New York Power Authority. So if you're hearing Bill mention NIPA, um, that's the organization that we're talking about. And they do have responsibility for the canal. Um, and of course, the state of New York was very hard hit by COVID-19, and that's been devastating. And, and we've watched that, those of us who are not local there on the news and just been heartbroken about what we see there. But we also want to make clear that Upstate New York is very different than New York City. Uh, it hasn't been as hard hit. Many construction projects were allowed to continue through the closure. Um, and one of those, Bill, was actually work along the bike trail that runs parallel to the canal, correct? That is absolutely correct. And that work, there, there are places on the canal where that work continued in, in line of sight to a canal project that had been stopped. And right. that's where, that's really where the, the, the angst, the pushback um, began and, um, and continues uh, to this day. And one of the things that um, Canal New York, one of, one of our concerns is that, that, that the, the problem that we have currently on the canal is, is, is only one facet, that one item that we're worried about. We're worried about the canal. I'm I'm probably more worried about the canal in 2021 than I am currently. Um, there's been there's been a plenty of pressure put um, on NIPA at this point to to get back to work. We think we think a lot of the work has has resumed. Um, and on a call last week by one of the board members of Canal New York, Brian Stratton, who is the director of the New York State Canal Corporation, told her that more than likely the canal would not open in total until July. Um, we don't know mid-July, beginning of July, or, or late July. Um, but that, that's what we've been told at this point. But our, our efforts are as much about getting the canal open as early as we can this year but also about getting it open on schedule next year. And the mission that we're about to embark on is, is directly relates to maintaining end-to-end -end navigation throughout the canal. And Canal New York has, has just committed to be the lead agency in a, uh, in a grassroots campaign whose mission will be uh, to maintain end-to-end, -end, and not just maintain end-to-end -end, uh, with a kayak. It would be maintain end-to-end -end with, with any, sort, any sort of boat, whether it's recreational or commercial. Um, the idea that we want to preserve the infrastructure um, as it exists currently, uh, the locks, the dams, um, everything that, that what puts it on the national uh, list of historic uh, item, um, we want we want to maintain that, and we have as an organization reached out to groups like AGCLA, Boat US, uh, the Canal Society of New York, the Preservation League of New York State, Erie Canal Way, um, 
National Heritage Corridor, who have all put together present uh, white papers on the fact that the canal needs to remain a, an operating infrastructure from end to end. And the biggest challenge to this, I believe, is the program that NIPA put forth. They put it forth, they, they did it the first year as a competition where they, they awarded prize money or money to projects which they thought um, would, would benefit the canal. They, they called it Reimagine the Canal. And um, that project went about, um, honestly, I don't know what really came from it, uh, but they then came around with a round two. And the round two was very, very different. The round two wasn't awarding any money. Um, it, was, it was being controlled. Um, between NIPA and a, pub, a large public relations agency. And they hired the Rockefellers to, to, to run this. And, and basically what it became was a dog and pony show for a report that was issued last fall, which talks about um, the reimagine. And it's NIPA's vision of the canal. And we believe um, and there's plenty of evidence to this fact that maintaining end-to-end navigation is not their prime concern. Um, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of um, activism by environmental groups. There's a lot of uh, invasive species talk, uh, putting up a, a literal dam um, at, a, at, at various points in the canal, which would eliminate any opportunity for, for end-to-end navigation. They, they actually had a, a, a report that came public on invasive species and placing a dam at Rome, New York, the day that the Canal Corporation sponsored a boat ride from Rome to Utica to celebrate the first 16 miles uh, complete on the canal. I, I just It was completely ironic. Um, and and what we're what we're doing is is basically uh, our we're starting our own reimagine um, the Erie campaign, and um, we've reached out to groups like yours um, to as a as a point to to spread this word. And and this this program is going to become uh, very active within the next two weeks. Um, and we will we will be our our point is really to create we're going to create a place where we can tell the story of the, the positive stories of the canal, the people that use it, the benefits to the individual communities along the canal. Um, and, and what NIPER understands, I think, is, is not uh, challenge them, challenging them in court or filing FOIA requests. What they don't like is bad publicity, and, and they don't like bad social media. Um, they spend a lot of time on social media talking how good they are, how wonderful they are. Um, they don't like criticism at all. And, and we intend to create a massive uh, grassroots campaign. We hope to fund this through a, um, through a GoFundMe page where all the money raised will, will be directed entirely into, into building out this campaign. Um, Canal New York has taken the lead on getting this started. And we're we're hoping that we're going to be able to get other groups um, to come to come on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canal New York is perfectly suited for this, as our as our um, structure, our, our 
our IRS structure, a 301c6, which allows us to advocate, and and that really is our mission statement as an organization. Mm-hmm. So we're we're definitely very interested in the gra- grassroots campaign, and AGLCA is on board with uh, helping. Of course, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, the Great Loop uh, would look much different; would be next to impossible without the New York State Canal system. Um, so we're of course very interested in keeping that end-to-end navigation. I do want to take a break to play a message from one of our sponsors, but before we do, Bill, um, question just to focus in for a minute on this year, because I do have a lot of loopers who are out there wondering if they can continue their loop this year. Um, you know, we know that the workers were sent home about two months before the scheduled opening date of the canal, which has now passed. Um, is the assumption basically that there is still two months worth of maintenance work to do before the canal can open? And if so, um, you know, you mentioned July, that does sound like about the time frame if work is just now restarting. But what's your expectation, you know, gut feeling, what do you think will happen with opening this year? Knowing you don't have a crystal ball, but what's kind of uh, your guess now as to, to when the canals may open? I believe that, that July, that mid-July is probably about as accurate. I don't know about the work on the, um, on like the Champlain, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that there, as recent as last week, NIPA, in a video conference uh, to the Canal Corporation, um, spoke about starting, starting work back up on the very western side of the canal. And um, they have a, this big double lockout in Lockport. And, and then only partially rewatering the western end of the canal, which would be devastating to that whole region. Um, and, and that rewatering, um, there, there, there is a plan in place that they deny, but we're very confident it exists to um, lower the water level on the western end by approximately six feet, turn the eastern end, the Mohawk River section, back to its natural flow, which would eliminate um, recreational boating, um, you know, over, over, you know, that, that, that stretch. Um, and they wanted to also turn the Champlain, um, over to the Army Corps of Engineers, which may or may not be an issue at all, but, um, they're looking to shed their responsibility and the re- the lowering of the water, which they just talked about last week, um, fits very much into that three-pronged plan that they deny exists. Um, yeah, the only so, official yeah. word, actually, that we've seen come from NIPA regarding this season's opening um, uh, really was after, I think, a lot of boaters and organizations like Canal New York really pushed them for a public statement on what the plan was. Um, and the plan uh, uh, that, that they put out there was uh, vague. And, and granted, I, I, you know, I will give them that everything is a bit uncertain right now. But the plan was pretty vague, uh, made no guarantees for opening, and did talk about, um, you know, the potential for regional opening of the canals, which is really not that helpful for long-distance cruisers like loopers. So certainly comes some concern there. I do want to take that break I mentioned. Um, when we come back, Bill, I want to talk a little bit more about the reimagining effort and basically the recommendation paper that came out of that effort, because there are a few things in there that are concerning for um, powerboats the size of many 
looper boats. Um, and uh, then we'll just have a few minutes probably after that. We could talk a little bit about why it's so important um, beyond the fact that loopers need it, um, why it's so important to make sure the canal system remains open. So we will be back in a moment. Are you planning your trip around the Great Loop and feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you or your spouse are nervous about the trip due to lack of experience. With help from the Voyage Planning Advisors of Untold Horizon LLC, you can now get underway with confidence. Untold Horizon is a voyage planning service where merchant mariners with decades of experience serve as your personal cruising advisors. Our highly trained mariners prepare custom voyage plans that are designed around your experience, type of boat, and any personal preferences you may have. Put your mind at ease knowing that you have seasoned captains on your side. Join us today at untoldhorizon.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Bill Drage. He is the immediate past chair of Canal New York. And we are talking about uh, COVID-19's impact on the canal system because it is opening late this year. But we're really moving beyond that to kind of the overall status of the canal. Um, and Bill, you, you mentioned the reimagining the canal effort, which has had a few phases at this point. Um, but the most recent phase focused on different interest groups and collecting a whole lot of feedback, uh, which was eventually compiled into a set of recommendations. Um, and this was a panel appointed by the governor. The recommendations, um, of course, are just that. None of them have been funded. Nothing is set in stone about those. And many of the recommendations were simply additional study. Um, but some of the things that were recommended for additional study were certainly concerning for boats uh, the size of most looper boats. And those did include things like you mentioned, um, you know, potential, potential dams to stop the migration of invasive species, potential uh, lowering of the water level um, without a whole lot of specifics. But there are some comments in there um, that, you know, basically kind of allude to power boaters aren't the concern. You know, there's a lot of it in there about um, kayaking and paddling and other outdoor activities, but power boats are certainly not at the forefront there. Um, what are your thoughts there? You, you kind of mentioned that that seems to be NIPA's agenda. And one of the things I always question when I'm, you know, assessing what may be somebody's agenda, I, I try to think of, you know, why, what's their motivation behind that? So if NIPA is in fact looking to end the end-to-end -end navigation, what would be their reason for that? So give us a little bit on that topic. I, I, my introduction to NIPA, the first meeting that we attended in Albany, um, where, we, where we pushed back on how they were running it, all it, all it centered around was was safety safety and the lack of, of of scheduled maintenance that had been completed on the canal and um which we we all understood and we appreciated the fact that it was identified so i i believe their end game circles back to that where they they are definitely afraid of, of things like an embankment collapse in the western area so that's why they want to well, with the water by six feet, because they think there would be that much less stress on the earthen dam. Um, and I think the same thing holds true to virtually every lock and movable dam on the canal. They, these are these are hundred plus year old. The current configuration of the canal is just over a hundred years old. 
so that infrastructure is, is although it's maintained on a on a regularly scheduled basis, I think I think what they look at is that hey, if we can if we can eliminate this, if we can convince people that this is not necessary, that we we could you know we could push forward our agenda of of getting rid of these. And part of the advantage to NIPA of this COVID issue is that they can turn around. The later they can open this canal, the more they can say, see, there was no, there was no impact for anybody. People still rode their bicycles. People still could paddle their kayaks. And, and as Scott Croft from Boat US has pointed out on more than one occasion, recreational boaters are not the most sympathetic group, right? We're, you know, we're looked at. You know, people are envious. Oh, you've got a lot of money. You've got a lot of time, right? So we're an easy target, um, and I and I get that. But there's a lot of water-based um, businesses that depend on on recreational boaters and loopers. In specifically, when I went so Niper, when they had this re, this last reimagine the canal basis uh, meeting, um, they held a number of symposium throughout the canal Florida, very well organized and, and, and structured. And, and what I went to one in Syracuse and there was, there was about 150 people there and they, they sat you on in tables and each table had a different topic. So you could sit at the tourism table or you could sit at the environmental table or the, the history table. And the, they had a moderator sit at each table, and the idea was everybody sat around a table with a bunch of post-it notes, and you jotted down your ideas of what you wanted to see the canal system be. And and I have to tell you that at the end of this, what happens is each one of those moderators got up and and said what their table wanted, and without a doubt, everybody there wanted to see the canal remain in its current configuration. I mean, people had ideas how, how to improve uh, facilities and, and things like that, but there was nobody sitting there saying, oh, you know what, there's no need for the canal anymore. It served its purpose, uh, that type of thing. And, and I got the feeling as I sat there that, you know, they talked about, oh, you could leave comments, you know, you could leave suggestions on the website, but the reality was you really couldn't. And I really got the feeling they took all those post-it notes and they put them in a garbage pail and they threw them out because they really didn't care what, what people um, said. So I, I sat at the table with the, the woman who owns, I think it's Pirates Cove Marina in the, in the Brewerton area, just west of Brewerton. And she talked, she was passionate about how important it was for her business, the looper. And, and she, she sat there and she said, we need to promote the canal in you know, for, you know, not just in New York State, right? We need to, we need to get the word out there because the loopers bring business. I mean, she was really passionate about it, and and I get that that transient business on the canal that loopers bring is really is really important for a number of places. Um, and you know, I believe her her uh, her concerns were 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 lost uh, along with with most uh, most everyone else's there, and 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 I think that's what. That's why the reimagined campaign and current configuration is problematic. I think they spend a ton of money um, 
to they, they're spending a ton of money to push forth this agenda and and the only way to fight that is is what I think we're trying to accomplish at, at least it's going to get us a seat at the table and I think if you know it, it will kick this can down the road it's, a sniper that they're not just going to be able to do whatever they want. And I think that that's that's strong. And and I participated briefly in the reimagining process. One of the subcommittees did invite me to come and answer some questions for them about um, long distance cruisers like loopers and how they use the canal. Um, and it was an interesting process. But I agree that I didn't see a whole lot of that brought up in the report that came out at the end. Um, and when I saw that, I reached back out to some of those that I had met with that day um, and kind of said, you know, I, I don't see a lot in here about ensuring that the canal stays open for power boaters. And, you know, their suggestion for next steps for power boaters was kind of a grassroots effort to reach out to the um, state representatives from the districts along the canal and things like that, and suggested that the best time for us to do that would be the spring. Um, so here we are in the spring, and right as spring was starting to to come upon us, and that came up on my task list as a priority, the whole COVID thing broke. Um, and certainly the last thing we wanted to be bothering uh, lawmakers about right then was the needs of power boaters when they were trying to, to keep people alive in New York State. So um, in a way, the COVID crisis, and I agree with you that if um, if the canal didn't open this year, that would be foreboding of future years and, and would be really concerning for us. Um, so I'm glad to see them moving in the direction of opening it. If something good for the canal comes out of COVID, I think it is that Canal New York has decided to start this grassroots effort because, um, as I said, the loopers were getting ready to start something like that on our own. And when your group and our group and several others started talking together about how do we get the canal open this year, um, and it has expanded to how do we keep the canal open. And I was thrilled to see Canal New York stepping up to really take the lead on that because I think the interests certainly go far beyond loopers. Um, and it makes so much more sense for a local group to really be um, heading up that grassroots effort. But we certainly will be pushing all of, of what you're putting out there to our members. Um, tell us where, and I don't think it's ready just yet, but is there a website for Canal New York for this effort? And you know, where can people go to make sure they're on top of what's happening with the grassroots effort? So we think, well, my, my plan is to build um, a website, um, www.savetheerie.com, and, and to uh, follow all that up with, um, with the social media uh, campaign uh, based on hashtag Save the Erie. And um, there's, still a little con con there's still a little conversation within the committee at Canal New York as to exactly what. Um, we're going to call it, so it's a little premature, but I would think within with the team, I have the team in place to build it out, and I would suspect within the next week and a half, Kim, I will let you know what everything has settled on. It's ready. It's ready to go live. Our goal had been, my goal had been to get this going by May 15th, the original day, uh, opening day, um, run this campaign for a year with the idea that the goal is to make sure the canal opens on time next year, this time, and, you know, hopefully be able to put a banner across the website that said mission accomplished. Um, there is now a conversation that says, listen, we shouldn't build this as a one-year program. This should be built 
um, because we know the fight is going to is going to continue on. And I certainly don't disagree with that. But just stay tuned. Give us just a week or so. Um, there's a lot of people looking to to get on board this, and they're not they're not just the re- the recreational voter class. Um, the, the the people that some of the most passionate people are the history, um, the history organization. And it's and it's funny as as Boat US was telling us that you know there's just not a lot of sympathy for for recreational voters. The history organizations are are sitting there saying, you know, there's not a lot of uh, compassion. They just look at us as a bunch of old guys worrying about saving old things. And and I thought it was interesting that you've got multiple groups with multiple positions who feel that they are viewed upon basically the same. And we've been able to put this, this group together because we all have a very common interest in, in preserving the Erie Canal. So it, it's going to be an exciting project for all of us. Um, I, I, I talk to, I talk to marinas, um, that don't even have an email address for their marina, but they've all this, you know, I, I talked to a marina on Cayuga Lake last weekend and, and he said to me, he goes, you know, he goes, one of the best things about, I tell people about this marina is you can go anywhere in the world from it. And he said, they want to eliminate that. And, you know, a true statement has never, never been said. So I, I, I'm. I'm positive. I'm upbeat about this, um, and, and we're going to fight the fight with groups just like uh, like yours. Yeah, and we appreciate that that passion and that effort. And um, you know, you you may or may not be familiar with the Trent Severin Waterway Bill in Canada, but that's looked at yep. by many as you know, kind of one of the crown jewels of the Great Loop right now. And there's absolutely no reason that the Erie Canal can't be. The same. It just needs a little bit more focus, I think, from uh, those in charge to really uh, bring it up to its its you know what it once was. And it doesn't need to be commercial for that to happen. It just needs to continue to allow the recreational boaters to use the canal in the way it was intended, alongside the kayakers and you know the paddleboarders yeah, and ab- the bikers absolutely. on the bike trail. I have spent plenty of time in a lock with twelve or thirteen kayakers. But what I also wanted to point out to to the, the people that talk about recreational voters is whenever I go through Lock 2 on the CS Canal on Seneca Falls, inevitably, there's a handful or larger group of people who stand there on the walkway over the lock looking down and are amazed at what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and that's what I try to point out. This is not just about recreational voting by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the phrase that I've heard, um, maybe originally from you, but I've seen and heard in several emails and conversations at this point, is that the canal is an important part of the economy, but also of the social fabric of these small towns along the way. So we certainly want to do everything we can um, from the loopers' perspective to keep it open, but also from the perspective of those small towns that were built around the canal and rely on it for their existence. So we have to leave it there for today. Um, But Bill, definitely send the details as the website and and the social media pages for the grassroots effort uh, come online, and we'll certainly get those out to our listeners. Thank you so much, Bill, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us once again on Great Loop Radio. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, safe cruising.